at New Life. Great to be with you today. Let's stand. Let's give God our praise this morning.
this house. Can we give him praise today?
Hey, audience participation time here for a moment. How many of you would say, all my life, God has been faithful to me? It's an uplifted hand. You know that to be true. We serve a great God, don't we? So faithful, so gracious, so loving. It's great to sing about a good God. Beautiful weather, good worship this morning, the beginning of summer. And yet I'm pretty confident in a crowd this size, there are many of you who walk through that door with heavy stuff. Stuff that feels like, is God really good? Does he know what I'm dealing with right now? I just thought, uh, as we pray this morning, we're going to sing that chorus once or twice more. We don't do this a whole lot, but we have altars that you're more than welcome. Just during this prayer time, if you want to kind of come and be alone with the Lord at an altar, most of the front seats are empty if you want to kneel at a front seat. Um, maybe you just like to take advantage of a quiet moment as we pray and just kneel before the Lord and say, God, this is heavy. Just hand it to him this morning in prayer. So as we sing, if you want to take advantage of that time at the altar, front row, feel free to come. Let's sing, and we'll pray together in a moment. Let's sing the chorus together. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so. goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your Father, you are good all of the time. You are good. You are love. You are truth. Father, you are our forgiver, our healer, our provider, our protector. You are the grace giver of our life. You are the reconciler. Father, you are the one who makes life make sense. Creator God, our Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you that we can sing that song and believe it today and know it to be true in our life, that you are always faithful and you are always true and you're always good. Father, there are folks in this room 
that are experiencing hard stuff today. They're experiencing grief and loss, financial hardship, relationships that feel like they're hanging by a thread or some that feel very fractured. There are some in addiction and it feels like they can never break free, Father. Some with children who have just gone off the rails, it seems, and turned their back on you and on life. Father, in the midst of all of that, we proclaim that you are good and that you are right. And Lord, you are pursuing us and pursuing those that we're praying for. And Lord, you are working behind the scenes to provide healing and hope and comfort and peace. You are good all the time, Lord, even when with our eyesight, things seem bleak. Father, I pray that you would provide hope and peace this morning to those who walked in this door feeling like they were under a heap and they couldn't see up. Would you provide hope today? Help them to lay that at your feet and say, God, this is heavy and I can't handle it. Would you take it? And would you work? And would you help me to be free Provide peace today, Father, I pray. Lord, I don't know what all is represented around the altar here this morning, but I ask specifically for those kneeling here that you would um, help them to know that when they lay something in your hands that you can be trusted and that you are working and you see their hearts and you hear their prayer. Amen. You may be seated and Folks who are up praying, you're welcome to stay and pray as long as you want. Uh, we're going to be looking today at Ephesians chapter 4. Um, but before we get to Ephesians chapter 4 over the New Testament, we're going to look for just a moment to kind of help set the stage at Acts chapter uh, 19. Okay? So our main passage is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, but before we get there, we're going to hit a little bit of Acts chapter 19 to help set the stage. Hey, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Good stuff. Good weather. Uh, hey, uh, just in case some of you aren't on my social media stuff, we are having a cookout this afternoon at... Uh, starting at 4 o'clock for the 20s and 30s age group crowd. Uh, we do a lot of things with kids. We do a lot of things with teens. I've done a lot of things over the recent past with, you know, college age. Um, and so now, I mean, some college age are 20s to 30s as well, but they're, we want you all there. Uh, just a... a We've done some things with the Legacy Lifers, some a coffee get-together, an ice cream get-together, and, and I've kind of missed those groups kind of in the middle, the 20s and 30s something, um, and then maybe here we'll see if this doesn't get too crazy and no one ends up in jail or anything. I might do something for the 40s and 50s, you know, just a fun little something. Yeah, oh, 40s and 50s getting crazy, yeah. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, we do need to know if you're coming, so if you'll let me know after church or something so we have a head count, uh, I can give you all the details. Kids are welcome if you have kids or whatever, but it's just going to be a time to hang out. Um, 
Well, before we get to Ephesians chapter 4, we've got to understand something that the Apostle Paul experienced prior to writing what we're going to read in just a moment. Paul, the Apostle, had spent some time in a city called Ephesus uh, where he wrote this letter of Ephesians and some miraculous things happened. Uh, Paul basically spent two years there contending for the gospel of Christ. Uh, if, if you're into in-depth studies of scripture and biblical history and all that and preaching all that, you might call it apologetics. Um, but he was, ju- he was spending two years of defending the gospel of Christ, sharing it, teaching it. But in addition to this, uh, what Paul was doing in these two years, there were these miracles that were also happening um, in people's lives. I mean, lives were being changed in ways that people just could not explain by the power of God. And my prayer is, may that be us here. Amen. Where, where God does things that cannot be explained and lives are changed for all eternity. So when we combine these two things, this Paul's spending two years of intellectually contending for the message of Christ and these miraculous things happening in the lives of people that no one could explain, these two things together produce some uh, pretty incredible results. Uh, Paul sees something happen in the city of Ephesus that he couldn't unsee during this time. It's something he couldn't explain. It's something that would shape him from here on out. Um, so when he thought of Ephesus and these people there who were following Jesus, uh, he would think about this crazy experience. Now, um, it's not in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're going to get to in a minute, but let's start with Acts chapter 19 to set the stage. Uh, beginning with verse... 17, the second half of verse 17. It says, A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Now stop there for a moment. So, so across the city of Ephesus, uh, the people were like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to honor the name of Jesus. I'm starting to sense this reverence and this, this fear of God, and, and it just kind of sweeps over the whole city, this unexplainable movement. And then things start happen, happening to individuals. Verse 18, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books, check this out, was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful Effect. So this is what the Apostle Paul witnesses in this moment in history in this city. Um, you know, when you study the first century, you see that uh, sorcery was a, a way of life. It was, you could think of it as this philosophical viewpoint of the world. Um, in short, they believed that they could manipulate the spiritual realm to their benefit, to their personal benefit. And so all these people who were living this way and teaching sorcery and practicing sorcery, 
they start following Jesus. And not only did they start following Jesus, but they take this extreme action to ensure their loyalty to Jesus and that there's no burning, turning back. And so they take all of their sorcery books worth millions of dollars and they bring them into public all right, and they, they're like, I don't want to sell them. I don't want them to be in circulation because they're lies, they're evil, they're, um, they're not the way, the truth, and the life. And, and they publicly burn all of these books to ensure that they never go back to their old way of life. And once the Apostle Paul sees this extreme act of devotion, it would influence what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're about to read. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. It says this, With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God, uh, the life God gives, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, um, and you hear the way Paul describes people who aren't followers of Jesus this way, you're like, is that really how you Christians think of people who don't follow Jesus? But what's important here to understand is to remember who the Apostle Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to people who love Jesus. He's saying, people who love Jesus, you should act like you love Jesus. All right? Uh, you shouldn't live like the culture around you. You know better. Paul wasn't talking to people outside. He wasn't writing this letter to people outside the church who weren't followers of Christ. And he's, he wasn't saying to them, you sinful, horrible people, stop doing what you're doing. Come over and do what we do and act like us, you bunch of sinners. And, and I think we sometimes get that mixed up in the church today as well. Paul is simply saying people who love Jesus act like people who love Jesus. You know, when you get that in the wrong order, when you get the cart before the horse, you start focusing on all the things that are wrong. You start focusing on the things that you need to fix in your own life or fix in people <clears throat> uh, prior to them meeting Jesus and, and things get all kind of mi mixed up. We grew up, many of us who grew up in church singing the hymn, Just As I Am. I love that song, Just As I Am Without One Plea. In other words, I, I have no plea to make, just that thy blood was shed for me. You know, and it says, just come, just, just as I am. And this, this, is, this is the way we need to be as a church. Uh, the, the first thing to understand is how much Jesus loves you or how much Jesus loves you those people and then once you understand that <clears throat> then the other stuff falls into place but we sometimes have this thing of trying to fix people or to make them like us and then then they can become Christians no 
let me tell you something. We will baptize people that you'll walk out going, why'd they baptize them? They're not living right. I'll tell you why, because baptism is simply a sign that they've started following Jesus. Has Jesus fixed them all up at that point? No. Okay? Um, once you realize how much Jesus loves you and you, you accept that and you receive that, all of that other stuff falls into place, and then you begin to understand that the commands... The things you shouldn't do or the things you should do, you know, they're there for your well-being. And start, so you start to shape your life around them. And when you do things you shouldn't or when you don't do things that you should, that's sin in the eyes of God. And God hates sin because it opposes his very nature. Uh, sin breaks God's heart because sin breaks people. Uh, sin always results in death. And uh, so if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not following Jesus, start with him. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Let the other stuff happen at the right time and in the right place as you learn and understand who he is and what he represents. But it's different for the Christians who are in this room, which I would say is most of you. He says, don't live like the culture around you. It, it is really, really scary when you can't tell the difference between those who are followers of Christ and those who aren't. Um, he says, don't live like the culture around you, which, by the way, is easier said than done. And Paul, the apostle, is about to explain why it's so hard to follow Jesus and why it's not just automatic and what we can do about it. So let's read on. He refers back to the, you know, he refers back to his scathing review of the surrounding culture we just read, but then he moves on, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him through off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. So see, that's an action that we take. Throw off your old sinful nature. Throw off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Okay, that's his part. Back to our part. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So Paul is saying that for those of you who are Christians, you should throw off your old sinful nature, your former life. Take on this new nature... It's like he's saying, following Jesus isn't easy. Uh, following Jesus isn't automatic. There's some things that you and I have to do. Uh, I don't know a lot about cars, but I do know the difference between an automatic transmission and a manual transmission. And most of us drive automatics these days where you can drive while holding your White Castle cheeseburger in the other hand and it's no problem and you eat and drive and whatever, you know, where you just push the gas, the brake, and you steer. Um, the manual transmissions are, they, there's a place for them. They have a special place, especially if you're pulling heavy equipment or farming or whatever, but they're, they're a little more work. They're fun if you're in a muscle car 
Um, when we were teenagers, my sister owned a, it was a Trans Am that was identical to the one that was on Smokey and the Bandit, yeah, uh, with the Hearst shifter and all of that. I mean, really fun. Um, but outside of that, or outside of the need of pulling heavy loads or whatever, and you have to kind of control when gears are shifting, they're a lot of work. You know, they take both hands, they take both feet, they take a lot of attention and, and all of this stuff. And, and Paul is saying following Jesus is not automatic. Now, he's not talking about salvation. Salvation, they're, they're, what we need to do to receive salvation is simply accept the work that Christ has already done for us. Admit you need it, accept it, tell him you're lost, you need him, and, and that, that work has already been done. Um, but from there, take some serious effort on our part. Let me explain it this way, and I don't know if this will make sense or not, or if this is really worth the time or not. If after I get done with the explanation, you're like, eh, it didn't really help, just give me a thumbs down, and I cut it out for a second service. <laughs> All right, we have a picture of two islands, okay? Two islands. Uh, there's an island on the left, island on the right, and they're connected by a bridge. Um, let's say that the island on the left represents your life before knowing Jesus. And uh, for those of you here who have not accepted Christ as your Savior, that's where you're at. You're living on the island on the left. That's where we all were at some point, even those of us who are Christians. And that, on that island, you kind of run things yourself. Um, it's all about you. It's about you meeting all of your own needs. It's about you you know, controlling your life and making your own decisions and choices and we ruin it, we mess it up and, um, you know, you're looking at life through a filter that, that really, quite honestly, is scary because it all depends on you and what you do and who you know and what you can do. That, that's the island on the left before you know Jesus. The island on the right represents after you've met Jesus and you know him and you're in relationship with him. So on that island, you still have problems, you still have challenges, you still have difficult things happen in life. Um, but you're looking at everything through a different filter because you know that God is in control. Um, you're trusting him. It's a new day, you're a new creation, you have purpose, you have meaning, you have, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then there's that bridge in the middle that connects the two. Now, one might think that moving from one location to the other simply involves a filling out a change of address form. You know, you used to live here, but then you heard the message about Jesus, and, and now you live over on the other island, and, and we're thinking, man, living for Jesus should be easy peasy. Um, it should be automatic living for Jesus. It should come just naturally uh, living for Jesus. Uh, but what you find out is there's this bridge in the middle that connects the two islands that's still there. And uh, 
that bridge would represent uh, maybe temptations. Uh, it would represent actions, relationships that, that even though you're living for Jesus, still connect you back to the island before Christ in your life. And what happens is that too often people who call themselves followers of Christ spend a lot of time going back and forth, walking over that bridge. I mean, they're, they're wearing a footpath in that bridge. You know, we have, we have the sinful nature that draws us back to our old residence. We have our new nature. We have the Holy Spirit that draws us to the new way of living. And so often people spend too much time going back and forth. Let me give you a couple examples here. And I realize, I realize this. Let me just say this. Every illustration breaks down at some point. So if anyone's splitting theological hairs, I'm not going to debate with you after church. Just... Try to get the big picture, okay? Uh, for instance, let's talk about money. Uh, you know, money can be this huge stressor in your life. Uh, but as a follower of Jesus, when you're living on the island on the right, um, it can be different. As a follower of Jesus, you realize that you don't have to worry about money and possessions and things that that God promises you that if you seek first his kingdom, if you honor him first, he will take care of you. That's not prosperity preaching. That's not some crazy televangelist making promises that aren't biblical. That's, that's God's word. If you honor him first, he will take care of your needs. But there are these bridges that lead us back to our old way of thinking about money. You get a bill that you weren't expecting. Um... There's a job loss that you hadn't planned for, retirement's coming up or whatever, and you're thinking, how am I, how are we going to handle this? Um, you know, the stress of being afraid you can't pay the, pay the bills, man, that weighs heavily on people and leads to trouble sleeping and anxiety and relationship issues and depression and on and on, and, and suddenly there's that bridge of money that can take you right, pull you right back over to your old way of living. We, we could talk about sexuality. Um, God created sex as a beautiful, wonderful thing between one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant of marriage. That's why he created it. But we've misused it. You know, we have twisted it all around. We have redefined it. We have done everything which has created so much damage in our lives and in our culture. Um, and, and sex is one of those things that it's so powerful that if used in the wrong context or twisted around or whatever, man, it creates lots and lots of damage. Um, and so when we misuse it, uh, it brings pain and destruction into our lives. But when used in the context for which God created it, it brings this joy and this intimacy and this strength into a relationship. And that's how God created it. That's what it's for. Uh, but sex is one of those bridges that can take you back over to the old life. Um, you know, when you're on social media, you're one click away from the old life. Uh, you get caught up in porn or you reconnect with an old flame or 
you know, you, you end up living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because it just makes financial sense, and God wants you to be a good steward of your money, right? So it all makes sense. Um, and we cross that bridge back to the old way of life. Um, <clears throat> we could go on and on with specific examples. And again, the, the illustration breaks down at some point, but I, I think you get the gist of, of what I'm saying. But the problem is we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth over that bridge. And the only good thing about our continually going back and forth is that you're getting your steps in. You know, your Fitbit rings are closing or Apple Watch or whatever they are. I hear people, you know, I, it's so funny. I see people sitting around the chair watching a movie, and all of a sudden they go. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting my exercise in. I'm, getting, I'm closing my rings. I'm, I got to move. So they sit there with their popcorn and do this. Um, uh, the problem is that you're not living out God's desire for your life. You're discouraged, you know, in fact, Someone might be in here, you go, man, I've been a Christian for such a long time. I, I am, I'm ashamed to even say I have some of those bridges in my life. And, you know, we, we've been, we think, man, we've been following Jesus too long to be wrestling over these bridges. But check this out. Paul seems to think in Ephesians 4 that there are some actions that we can take. Now, again, we're not talking about salvation here because salvation, the, the work has been done. You have to receive it, you have to accept it, but the work has been done. But Paul says, here's some actions you can take, Troy. Throw off your old nature, okay? That's on us. Uh, put on your new nature. That's on us. Like, there's some things, some discipline, some things we need to do. Um, but in the middle of that, look at verse 23. Here's good news. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And so, in other words, there are some things we need to do. You know, if social media is causing you a problem, God's not going to come down and, and unfriend you from whoever's creating temptation in your life. God's not going to come down and pull all social media off your phone. you got to do that, right? Um. But the good news is that the Spirit is there to do the work that you can't. What you can't do, what I can't do, He can. And He empowers us and He, he enables us and He helps us. Let me ask this question, and I know you all are the first service folks and you're dedicated and you're here. and So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to have you stand for this question, but... <clears throat> If God has helped you burn a bridge in your life, maybe it's an addiction or God has saved your marriage or he's freed you from the grip of greed or he's given you the strength simply to make it through some really challenging, challenging circumstances, maybe he's helped you through the pain of a miscarriage or walked with you through divorce or he's given you the power to move on, whatever. If God has helped you burn a bridge in your life, let me see your hand. Just raise your hand up real high. And I'm, I'm raising two of mine. <laughs> and I wish I had a bunch more. See, this testifies to the fact that what you can't do, he can. What I can't do, he can. Remember, the Apostle Paul is operating on this memory, this experience he had where these people were 
literally burning millions of dollars worth of books which assured that they weren't going to go back to their old way of life. They weren't going to cross back over that bridge. Um, so the question is, well, what is it that you need to do to burn that bridge? You know, burn a book or burn a social media or burn a relationship that's unhealthy, burn a bridge. You've got to be done with them. And in fact, when you think about warfare, when they would burn the bridges behind them, that means, man, we are advancing at all costs. You're not going back. There, you, you don't even have the opportunity to retreat. And Paul remember those folks taking extreme action and burning their books and so that there was no chance they could, you know, they didn't have a plan B on going back to their old life. Uh, we could think of this as what we call in the Church of the Nazarene as sanctification or full surrender. Um, we believe that there's a point in the life of the believer where you're no longer a follower of Jesus just because you need to be saved. But there comes this point, this decision in your life where you're like, I want to be all in. I don't want to keep going back and forth over these bridges. and I, I don't want to keep this in my life. And so I want to just fully surrender and submit my life to God 100%. And let me tell you something. I, th this sermon isn't about going into depth on the, the issue of sanctification. But man, there is a freedom when you get that point, there, there's a power, there is an energy, there is just, I could go on and on and on when you reach that point of burning those bridges. And we also, I, I hope I get this right, I think I have it right, but we believe that there's a moment of decision. There's a moment, you don't just kind of accidentally slide into a life that's fully dedicated. I mean, it is a moment of I'm all in. We refer to that as sanctification. Um, but we also believe there's this daily dying out. I am sanctified. I am being sanctified. I was sanctified as a young person long, long time ago. But I've got to tell you, every day I still have to die out a thousand times a day to choices I could or couldn't make and so the simple question is what's the bridge you need to burn in your life uh, you know is it a toxic relationship is it something that you're consuming that's leading you back to the old way of life is it a phone that you're obsessed with is it uh, some destructive habit like pornography or whatever it is um, you know with God's help these bridges can be burned there's a part we play, but there's a part he does that we can't do. But some of the part you play is going, yeah, I need this in my life. And uh, I realize that there may be some folks who, kind of generally speaking, you know, it's not like a specific thing you're struggling with, but you're just like, I, I want to be fully surrendered 
I want to be all in. I, I want to be set apart for the exclusive use of God and not be back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, and that doesn't mean perfection in the Greek sense. That, that doesn't, you know, there's always room for forgiveness in the life of the believer. Um, but there may be someone here that goes, I want to be that person. I want, I want to fully surrender. Now, hopefully I don't muddy the waters here. That could be you, or this could be you. Maybe there's someone who you've surrendered your life fully and completely to God. Maybe it was like me years ago, but, but the Spirit is just pointing something out in you. I, I believe it was the Apostle Paul that said, I, I have to die daily. And there's something in your life, this, this bridge that has been pulling on you that, you know, it's just another... You know, like, you got to surrender this. There, there are, you know, when you think you're beyond that point, you're in dangerous territory according to Scripture. And maybe there's someone who's been saved, and, and you've hit the altar the second time, and you've been sanctified and all that, but there's just something you've been wrestling with, and you're like, God, I want to surrender that specific thing to you. Or for others of you, as I've already mentioned, you're like, I just need to do the initial surrender, and, you know, here's what I want to do. I, uh... I'd like for you to bow your heads for just a moment, if you would. Is there, and, and of course, our altars are always open. Some people love to come pray at the altars, and, and man, we'll have people come pray with you, and the altars are open. But would you do this? Is there anyone that would just stand up right where you're at and say, I, I need to surrender? Maybe it's that initial all-in surrender, or maybe it's someone that says, man, I've been wrestling with this. I love Jesus, but I've been, you know, there's something in my life God's pointing out. And Troy, I just want you to lead me in prayer this morning. We're just going to hold for a moment. Again, we don't drag it out. We don't get dramatic. But is there anyone right now that would stand up? Amen. Praise the Lord. Someone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good stuff. Anyone else? Amen. Over here. Amen. This is just us and God. There's nothing to feel guilty about or to feel condemned. You know, I'm not skinning the cat up here. I'm just, you know, amen. Amen. Someone else. Amen. Just stand up right where you're at. Amen. Anyone else? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to all stand up in support of these folks, and I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, it's not simple, as I've said time and time again, but it's not complicated either. And Lord, there are some folks in this room who have stood up in this moment and have said, I want to surrender my life to you. I am all in. I... And this is the first time they've done anything like that. There are other folks in this room who maybe have done that in years gone by, but you're dealing with them in some way, shape, or form about a particular something where they need to die out to something. I, I don't know what it is you're doing in each of their lives, but Father, right now I pray that you would do the work as they 
you know, as the Apostle Paul said, as they cast off their old life, you know, as they put on the new life, but Father, there's a part of that, a significant part of that, that they cannot do within their own power or own decision-making that you have to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to help us. And Father, right now, I pray that you would just do that. Sanctify us, Lord. Set us apart for your exclusive use. And Lord, we understand this doesn't take away temptation. This doesn't take away... There's always the opportunity to turn back. You never force us. You never manipulate us. You're a gentleman. But Lord, may we be over with a constant wrestling match and make the decision that we are all in. We're all yours. Do your work in the lives of people now as we just continue in worship. If you would, remain standing. Let's worship. If someone wants to come pray, the altars, the altars are open. Come on up. In Jesus' name, amen. the moments where I'm still in your presence all the noises start down Lord speak to me now you have all my intention I will linger and listen I can't miss a thing Lord I know my heart wants more of you my heart wants something new, so I surrender all. So I want is to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I 
sing it. I open up. Open up my heart to church. Well, how good has it been to be in the house of the Lord this morning? As we, yes, yes, amen. As we close this morning, just a couple of announcements for us. If you are feeling the, the, the Holy Spirit moving in your heart this morning, and you are wondering, what is my next step? Here at New Life, we want to walk alongside you as you pursue that next step. Two opportunities for you here at New Life are, one, our life groups. If you are seeking authentic Christian community, and you need that, you want that, but you do not yet have it, please go to newlifenaz.net slash connect and do not hesitate to sign up for a life group. If you're interested in serving, if you feel like your next step is, I, I need to serve, I need to use the talents and gifts and abilities that God has given me to help usher in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Again, newlifenaz.net slash connect. 
sign up for one of our uh, many, many different life teams. Well, Kid Life Summerfest is coming up. We are so excited for June 4th through the 7th Summerfest here at the church. Games, music, skits, Bible stories, snacks, prizes, and more, all designed to help your kids grow closer to Jesus as we start off the summer. Summerfest will be here each night from 6 to 8.30. Doors will open at 5.45 p.m. Elementary Summerfest is for kids who have completed kindergarten through fifth grade. And then uh, preschool Summerfest is for ages four and five only. So please do not hesitate to sign up your kids. And then also, if you're interested in serving, this is a huge event. We need as many volunteers as possible. So if you're interested in helping out with our Summerfest, please uh, do not hesitate to sign up as a volunteer. If you are new here this morning, welcome. It is so good to have you. We want to know that, that you are new here. Maybe this is your first or second week. Make sure you go find, find Pastor Troy or uh, stop at the welcome desk out in the, in the library so that we can get connected with you. Also, if you would, fill out the, the welcome card and the seat back in front of you just so we can uh, get to know you a little bit better. Well, church, I mean, I've been thinking about uh, Matthew chapter 7. At the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, how he bookends his Sermon on the Mount by talking about practice. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, we see that he talks about the wise and the foolish builders. And he says that the wise builder is one who hears the things that I say, and he puts them into practice. And he's building his house on the rock. So church, as you go from this place, go build your house on the rock this week. Put into practice the things that you have heard. We love you guys. Go be the church this week. Have a great week. Have you given?